Introducing Caribbean Radio Show, the chat reel with Billy and Friends. And now, here is your host, Billy Tappin. Good evening, everybody, or good afternoon, good morning, wherever you may be. Uh, we are the chat reel uh, with uh, Caribbean Radio Station, uh, the Knowledge Station. Uh, we're here today to um, talk about the life of uh, Billy Tappan, which is myself, and uh, kind of go through the life history um, tonight so you can kind of get an idea of what uh, I went through throughout my youth college coming all the way up. So um, tonight we have uh, as our host, it's joining me, is Denise Gutatis. Hey, Denise, how are you there? I hope I'm good. How are right. you? Yeah. Oh, Hi, everybody. I'm glad to be here. I'm always interested in each and every story, Billy, that you tell about your life and what right. happened to you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, well, it's I'm an open you know, book. Story. Right. <laughs> I'm an open book. Um, it's TJ on yet. I am here. TJ, you there? Oh, <laughs> wow. We got TJ. So TJ yeah. and, and Denise tonight is going to actually interview me. Um, so what we're going to do is, uh, before we do that, um, I'm going to go through the, the motions that we usually go through is go to like a commercial break, and uh, we'll be back in just a bit. So if you guys are ready, yeah. let's do it. Yeah, You're listening to CRS Radio and the Chat Reel with Billy and Friends on the Knowledge Station, CRS Radio. And we'll be right back with our guest this week, Mr. Billy Tappan. From author Dr. Denise Gotadis comes a self-help guide that will give you valuable information about the world around you in ways never imagined. The Metaphysical God in Relation to His Creation. Available on Amazon. In this must-read book, you will learn about your importance in the world and the metaphysical universe around you. You will be introduced to the Metaphysical God who has a relationship with you and those around you. Whether you are aware of this or not, you come into contact with Him daily. He is omnipresent metaphysically. He is in and out outside of his creation. And what does a metaphysical God have to do with you and the creation around you? You are a very big piece of a huge puzzle. The Metaphysical God in Relation to His Creator from author Dr. Denise Gotadis is available on Amazon. Order your copy right now. Change, I was fucking kill him for his change. Put a bullet. 
bullet in his brain. He left us here to starve. So one's gonna feel our pain. But he was just like us, born into poverty. He just had the will to change his dreams and get up off the street. These are the results. After all the good he did, then you can have his life. I just wanna live. I just wanna live and not die because I'm truthful. Being questioned about the gangster is not something that you're used to. Spreading lies about me, it's only right that I correct you. What's not understood can be explained. That's not disrespectful, but you want me to die because we don't see eye to eye. If I'm alive after that happens, I'm a threat to your pride. Forgive me if you took it wrong, but that's not what it is. We don't need to kill each other for it. I just wanna, I just wanna, I just wanna live and be a father to my kids. What we beefing over small, get it resolved when we big. I be ready to die, not until it's time. And that we'll never know until then. Keep in mind that I just wanna live and not die because I'm truthful. Be a question about the things that it's not something that you're used to. Spreading lies about me, it's only right that I correct you. What's not understood can be explained. That's not disrespectful, but you want me to die because we don't see eye to eye. If I'm alive after that happens, I'm a threat to your pride. Forgive me if you took it wrong. That's not what it is. We don't need to kill each other for it. I just want to, I just want to, I just want to live and be a father to my kids. But even though we're small, get it resolved, we'll be big. I eat ready to die. Not until it's time. And that we'll never know. Until then, keep in mind that I just want to live. Shit ass. 
see what I'm doing? It bothers your existence. It costs nothing. Pay attention to your own business. I guess I've entertained your unwanted obsession. Fatal attraction never falls under affection. Secretly, you despise the Lord for creating me. You pray that one day he tastes the life that was gave to me. It is my fault. Your ambition is null and void. The failures that you had never came by my choice. I support and motivate. You get lost, I show the way. When your family checks for you, I let them know you're safe. You fell off, I put you on. I will with you, right or wrong. I am brother through the rain so you can survive the storm. You can't do it on your own. Everything was made available for you to succeed. The things you need were always gave to you. You tongue kiss a cobra. Kill me wearing the mask. Feeling pleasure from my pain when all you had to do was ask. You shit ass. Before that gossip gets you touched, you shit ass. Why is it you need to know so much? You shit ask. I can tell you better than the rumors. You should ask. Speculations deadly with my shooter. You should ask. The backbiting brings your demise. You should ask. Nothing good ever comes from a lie. You should ask. It may be the only way you survive. You should ask. Before you come running up on time. You, you pull ask. me over. Those lights flash off my flesh. I'm legit. There's no way I should face an arrest. You ask me for my license and registration. But your hand on the gun causes hesitation. You tell me hands on the wheel so I comply. But your intentions are different. I can see it in your eyes. Your voice is condescending. Your actions are aggressive. I have the feeling it's me that you won't let live. You snatch me from the car. Then the struggle ensues. You can't overpower me. I won't be subdued. You reach for your taser. I grab you in defense. I beg for you to chill. You become more intense. You punch me in the face and now I have to react. Forget trying to run just to be shot in the back. Now I become the aggressor. Hit you once and you're out. I push you to the ground, then I stump you in the mouth Take your gun out the holster, then I remove the clip Pop the bullet out the chamber, toss them both, then I dip I won't be Patrick and everyone before him The ancestors start calling, you know I won't ignore them I'd rather be alive and see my day in court There will never be reform on any police force You wonder why I do it, it's really simple math The reasons I resist are the questions you should ask You ask why you hate my color so much You should ask why is it you want to kill us you should ask when is enough enough you should ask is it you that i'm supposed to trust introducing caribbean radio show the chat reel with billy and friends and now here is your host billy tappin okay and we're back all right, TJ. Uh, yes, anything sir. that you want to ask me uh, as we go through the life of my life? So let's uh, go. Yeah. For it. yeah I'll defer to the I got some doctor questions. first. You go right ahead. Go ahead, Denise. Oh, well, hey, TJ, interrupt if you want to. <laughs> I'm sorry. Ladies first. Okay. Ladies first. Ladies, Ladies first. first. Okay. Well, Billy, old friend, and husband's cousin. <laughs> um, right. how, what 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 made you what made you get into Motown? Because I had asked you all the other questions about your past life, as far as your um, high school um, partakings in things, how you got in trouble and everything. I think I asked you before. I wanted to know, how did you come about being a Motown artist? Goldie Love. Well, 
Well, actually, that was uh, the thing over here is I'm an alumni. Um, I didn't sign with Motown, um, but I'm an alumni of Motown because of all okay. the different acts that I opened up for, um, like uh, David Ruffin, Eddie Kendricks, um, just a, a few of the Marvelettes, um, uh, Martin Vandellas, uh, groups like that coming up. Um, oh. And it, it just goes on and on um, with different artists that I worked with. Um, and it was a, a very nice journey. Um, but I think uh, the thing of it is, is like, let's start, uh, let's go back to the beginning of all this. Okay. And uh, let okay. me take you through it a little bit. Um, when I came well, up, yeah, some listeners, I came up with, Yeah, some listeners don't know <laughs> your history right. from, like, you know, coming up. So, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, so... Let's do this. Let, let's go from childhood up. Um, I okay. was raised by uh, a stepfather uh, that was very firm. Um, his name was Joseph Willie Nelson. Um, and my mom, Doris uh, Jean Lett uh, Nelson, uh, I was raised with them too. Um, and it was hard coming up, you know, being an only child and also um, being raised by a loving um father uh but he was very very strict i mean i'm not we got we had our wars back and forth as you start getting into your teens and stuff like that and you think you know everything when you're 15 and 16 years old um so we had some some pretty much knockdown situations drag out situations and that went on for a few years uh as i approached uh getting a little older 25 um it got a lot better but let me retract back um, as far as music, music has always been a part of my, my life. Uh, even in grade school, um, I would sing at different parties um, and was always asked to sing at different parties. Uh, and then, right. by that being said, my mom and dad used to have family parties and stuff like that, um, that they'd have people coming over, friends and, and uh, relatives. And I would all see some singers. As uh, a matter of fact, there was one... Uh, person that was related to Junior Walker and All-Stars, and uh, right. he used to sing over there a lot, too, at the house. Um, so, And then my, my Aunt Sharon, she sung with a, a group of her own. They were very, very good, and they were actually on TV at one time. And I was just kind of blown away with that whole situation, and I seen they were at, uh, at the high school, South High School in Grand Rapids, where they actually had a talent show. And uh, they killed it. They killed it. Um, so at oh, that okay. time, you know, you know, I had shows like Buck Owens that actually had talent that was going to come on the show. You know, you sit, submit right. your material, and then you can come on, and, and they'll put a date up for you come on and sing live on TV. So right. as I started growing, you know, I started getting more interested in and singing, and I would sit by the, the stereo, and I would just listen to all the Motown stuff because that was really hot back in them days. So I listened to a lot of the Temptations, Smokey, uh, and uh, a little bit of everything, Marvin Gaye. Uh, so uh, right. this is something that I did on a regular basis, and I continued to sing. Right. And, then, you know, as I got a little older, um, I was able to start working with uh, with bands, um, actually started when I was 16, 17 years old. I got into my first band. And uh, 
we didn't we didn't really have our stuff together. I mean, we had drummer, bass player, and myself and uh, a kunga player and a okay. guitar player. And but we actually oh, went okay. through one PA man. We did a wedding, <laughs> you know that was that wedding we did it. We pulled it off, but it was uh, uh-huh. kind of different. But at that point. We actually started doing a few other things. We did some park uh, park situations where we had like Garfield Park and Grand Ramps. We did that, um, and I started growing from that point. Um, so I kind of continued to kind of stay with the the music, but the streets got me. The streets got me. Oh, okay. So when the streets got me, then um, the friends that I had that I grew up with from the west side of town, we all were really close. The whole side of town was been to this day is very close. Um, and mm-hmm. we kind of hung out on the east side a lot throughout our lives and started doing a lot of things like getting high, you know, using every every uh, drug you could think of at that time. So, really? Oh, you know, yeah. 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 First it was marijuana, and then it ended up being um, acid. Um, LSD, which was kind of like that was snuck in on me one time by one of my friends. And it wasn't intentional um, because right. I wasn't clear. I wasn't clear on the situation because I ran into him. I was coming up Franklin at, by Madison and I seen him and his name was Leonard, a uh, real close friend of mine. Uh, so right. I ended up uh, he actually flagged me down so we uh, actually um pulled over, got in his car, parked my car, and started riding with him. He had some beer and I had some I had some weed. And so, you know, we're sitting there smoking weed. So I asked him, I says, what do you got? Uh, you got any speed? Because that was a big thing back, back in them days of speed. So he says, yeah, man. Mm-hmm. You know, so he gives me uh, this pill, and we're just talking. I'm not paying attention. And all of a sudden, you know, as we're riding, I said, well, what kind of uh, speed is this? And uh, he said, LSD. I says, LSD. I said, are you serious? He's like, yeah. And he's like laughing. I said, man, that ain't funny, man. It's like I don't have – I had no intention to take no LSD, and you could you could take me to the hospital right now, you know what I'm saying, because I ain't trying to deal with this situation. Wow. So we're riding. He's like, you'll be all right. So we're riding around town, and we're riding by the uh, St. Mary's Hospital, and uh, mm-hmm. he pulled the car over, and he started throwing up blood. And I'm like, Ooh. is that going to happen to me? And he's like, no, oh, man, I just been getting high off this, you know, all through the week. You know, but the thing of it is with them drugs like that, you're talking about being high for like 18 hours strong. I mean, it, it's not really cool. You know, I did it, not that drug, but I did several other drugs that had you up, you know, 18 hours. You know, and that's, that's something crazy. But the first time that I took some drugs, it's from um, an older West Side brother um, that was staying with his mom, and he had that's what he dealt with. He dealt with just uh, acid and stuff like that. So I went over and, wow. and uh, picked up a couple couple uh, um, pills from him, uh, and I had one of my other friends, another Leonard, because both of them, one was black and one was Hispanic. So um, the other Leonard that was black, I picked him up some too. And so we took and went back to a friend's house and we started actually, um, I dropped mine, he dropped his, and we just kind of sat around for a bit and listened to music. And it was about maybe 12 o'clock. I'm like, man, ain't nothing happening. So I'm going to go home. 
So I go home, get in bed, and the next thing I just started feeling kind of funny, and then I started laughing. And, you know, in that house, uh, in mom's house, the same house that I grew up in, it's like I'm the only child, and if they hear me up there laughing, they're going to say, they're going to think somebody's up there. They come up there, they're going to say, what's wrong with you? You know what I'm saying? Because something's got to be wrong with you laughing. So I hurried up and got out of the, uh, the house and took off. And as I was going across the bridge, I started seeing these trails mm-hmm. of lights. And I was like, I was crying. I was laughing, but I was crying. It's like, man, I ain't used to this kind right. of stuff. So I had to go back to the guy's house, uh, have him help me out. So I knocked on the door, and his mom answered the phone. I had the phone, and he answered the door, and uh, I asked for Murray, and I just busted out laughing. And she said, Murray, one of your crazy-ass friends is here to see you. So I go in. So Murray knows oh. what the deal is. So I said, i got to talk to you, man. So he gets me downstairs. And back in them days, you had, like, all the um, – the, uh, strobe lights and all the posters and, and you had uh, the beads the black and all light. that. So he's got, yeah, black light. He has all the music playing down there. And uh, so I'm trying to tell him, he says, man, calm down. He says, you're going to be all right. I says, man, I ain't never had nothing like this before, man. And I said, you got to stick with me. He says, I got to get something to eat. Because at that time, I think he was just, he said he was just coming down off of it. So he goes upstairs Dang. and what do that for? It feels like there's somebody behind me. I turn around, hmm. and there's nothing there. But I'm calling him saying there's Yikes. something down here. So he's coming down and said, man, you got to be cool. My mom and them is upstairs, man. You know, they're going to figure something's wrong. So uh, oh. he went back upstairs and said, be cool. Yeah, let's be cool. So um, I ended up taking and, and he went back upstairs, and then all of a sudden it happened again. Like I just seen something go past me. And it really freaked me right. out. So he actually said, well, you got, we got to leave. We got to leave. We got to leave the house. <laughs> he said, take me out to the bowling alley, which is another no-no when you're that high. Um, so I'm right. fine now because I got somebody there with me. So I throw him the keys, but he can't drive a stick. So now I got to drive. They're seeing trails of lights and things of that nature. So he's helping me drive. I'm just shifting, and, and I'm in the driver's seat driving. So we get out to uh, Chase Lanes, and he's up to the counter getting me to order him something to eat. And the bowling balls is going on, the, the pins, are, you know, all that stuff is just kind of just freaking me out. So the girl comes up, the waitress wow. comes up to take the order, and I just laughed in her face. It's like she just kind of <laughs> melted right in front of me. It was crazy, and she was all nervous and stuff. So Murray rushes me out of there. And we get in my car, so I'm playing around in the car, you know, I'm in the car before he gets there, back in the car, up and back and forth, messing with him. And finally he gets in, he says, look it, man, take me down to Big Boys, you sitting in the car. I said, man, come on, I'm all right, I'm all right. He said, no, you're going to sit in the car. So we pull up the Big Boys, and I'm thinking, I- I'm certain it was a Thursday night, because I had school the next day. So yeah. I pull up, and it's kind of like on, on Jam and, and Big Boys. So... I said, man, I'll be all right. I'll be all right. So just let me uh, come on in. So when I went in, this place is so crowded. If you ever seen the uh, toothpaste, the close-up commercial, back in the days where they show yeah. people's face coming close and stuff, it, the people's face yeah. changed. Some of them look like they were pigs, and it just was crazy. So I'm busting out laughing what? at these people. So he rushes me out. <laughs> he rushes me out to the car. <laughs> so I got to take him home because he's set up with me. So. Uh, at this time, it's probably about 2 o'clock in the morning, so I went over to um, 
the friends that we initially uh, uh, me and Leonard hooked up at. So I went over right. there and uh, sat there until it was time to go to school. So to make a long story short, you know, I, I hook up with Leonard. He's at school already. And we had a shoe repair shop, and there's a vocational trade. And the machines is, like, mm-hmm. freaking him out. And they know he's high. Every, all the students in there know he's high. So he's, like, freaked out. <laughs> I'm freaked out. So we got to get out of there. So we leave and take off. So after that, going through years of just getting high off and different things, um, it's just kind of be start to be boring at some point in time. Um, I remember at one time, um, me and some friends went to, went to Western Michigan to uh, check out some of the girls down there. And we, we spent the day down there hanging out, drinking. And uh, after that, uh, we went to play pool. And I'm not a pool player, but I shot, I was high. I was high off in um, mescaline. And I now, shot the game what were the years life. of this, Billy? What were the years that this years, happened? Because I, I know it started is it out like in, in oh, go well, ahead. it started out in '68, um, up up until I probably stopped in let's see '68. By '25, I was done with pretty much everything. I mean, we're talking about everything as far as cocaine, heroin. Everything that you can think of, I played a role in that situation. Plus, with the friends I know that, that I, I was, with, I was um, thinking, I was thinking that you know, I know it was a heavy drug problem in the seventies, but even in the sixties, you say. Yeah, um, it began in the sixty sixty. Um, I want to say sixty seven, sixty eight. I had a friend of oh, mine okay. that I grew up with that uh, turned me on to marijuana. And, you know, oh, okay. marijuana back then was very, very pure, but it was the first time I ever tried it, and it had me just laughing and just, it was just a different high. That first high was always different from everything else that I ever had. And trust me, I was high, and, and marijuana back in them days just made you laugh, you know, and, and you're going to eat mm. up everything, basically. So I don't know what this stuff wow. is now, but it started in like 57. I remember I was in high school, and uh, that's right. where everything started happening from that point. And uh, as we grew, you know, the friends I had, um, none of us was any, any angels at all. But I had uh, one friend that um, actually killed uh, his, uh, him and his, another partner killed, I won't say he did it, but him and another partner of mine, we all hung together, but they robbed the store on, on Franklin and Ionia and killed the owner right. in there. And uh, oh, robbed no. him on actually the... what caused it. Right, right on oh, wow. Ionia and Franklin. Right. The store's not there anymore, but what it was is the owner of the store was one of the guys' uh, Sunday school teacher. So what right. he went in there to do was just rob him because I guess he was in, in insurance and stuff, selling insurance, plus he had the store. Right. So they were going right. in there to just rob him for the insurance That's money, sad. and he wouldn't get the money up. Plus, he didn't recognize him at first because he had his hat pulled down where he couldn't see it. And then when he did see mm-hmm. who it was before the robbery uh, was over with, he said, I know you. 
and he, he uh, took and when he said that, he, he said something about, I'm going to tell your mom. And that's when the, my friend triggered, and, and he had a 22 and shot him in the head. And, and he oh, grabbed his no. head, and he said, you sh- and just shot me, you know? Using, this is all from using what? the drugs, or what? No, no. I, probably a part of that played a factor, but, you know, my friends... And, you know, people used to say, you must wow. be crazy, too, because all my friends was crazy. <laughs> Everybody I hung out with right. had some issues. You know what I'm saying? Oh, so, okay. that, you know, there's nothing I can say, but they end up killing uh, yeah. that guy. So, I hear. As myself, Which, was that to you, Jay? That was oh, me. I, I was laughing because Billy said all his friends were looking crazy. Friends. I was like, okay, cuz. Well, <laughs> well, you know. Probably just growing up and getting into everything. That's what kids do. Well, that's what it was. And that's right. exactly we all, what it was. We all yeah. probably had some friends like that. Yeah. Yeah, but you know what really yeah. um, kind of pampered a lot of that was um, as I started, when I was like 14 and 15, you know, that's when the attraction of, of girls come. It usually comes earlier than that, you know, but you know, for me it was like probably 12, 13 years old, the attraction of, of uh, um, females or, or girls back in those times was what I, I liked the most. So being that I was the type of person and my personality was genuine when it came to the female situation, you know, but I also had learned a lot throughout my life coming up is that, you know, right. I have a gift to gab, and females pretty much like me, you know, and, it, you know, it's easy to actually get involved. And, you know, I got into the game for a while with the females, um, and everybody that had, had known me knows that I was that type of a person. Um, some right. would say that, you know, um, I was a player, which I would probably say that would probably be the best thing to say. Uh, in terms of me, but I did some other things too, and I'm not proud of. I did, I worked some women. I did that. Um, back then, that was kind of the thing because you're looking at all these old school movies with Superfly and the Mask and all that back in the days. And that kind of added to that situation. You know, the 70s. so I, think I mean, that, it wasn't um, any. Positive role models. Every pro, every show you look at, it play. It, you know, a lot of people played out like they're pimps and stuff, and that that's what yeah. made people think, oh, you know, being a player is cool. But actually, it wasn't. Yeah. You know, it was something negative on black people as a whole. Yes, it really was. And, and with my situation, I was. Um, pretty creative because I can intermingle with anybody. Um, so I had girlfriends to me, they were uh, all races. You know, I've had every race of female that you can think of um, throughout my life. So it wasn't no right. big secret. I think a lot of it being in Grand Rapids, Grand Rapids has grown quite a bit since I've been gone. But back in them days, it was very small and everybody knew one another. So the outskirts right. were pretty much, if, you, if you're black out in the outskirts, you had a little bit of money. There was very many people out there that was of black persuasion. You know, so you right. actually had everything in the inner city. So it was hard to actually get around. You know, I used to keep two or three females all the time. 
you know, and a lot of them knew the situation. A lot, a lot of them want to be in that situation. Um, so anytime really? I, yeah, I would try to, yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> like oh, LaFon, yeah. yeah, I had, yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, um, there was a, a young lady from out of Chicago that I hooked up with. I forget how I met her, but I met her somewhere and she's a very attractive girl. And what the situation was is that um, I used to hang out at places like, they're longer there now, like Bill's Retreat, um, the Limelight, and Knowles. Um, in those days, then were kind of the spots. And the Hideaway was another spot that used to, we used to go to. But pretty much Bill's is like a, a Pimps and Players uh, bar, pretty much. Oh. So I was sitting okay. there. That was the main spot where I'd be at. Me and my boys, Smooth, Keevan, uh, Foots, um, Claude, all of them, we'd all be up in there just kind of chilling. And then um, I met this girl from Chicago. So I started kicking with her. She's going to Grand Valley. And so I'm like, oh, right. this, is, this is a pretty good girl. And then one day I was driving. I had uh, I had my uh, Eldorado Brits. Cadillac grips, and I was going down. Yeah, I remember that I was car. going down the really? I wanted, to, I wanted yeah. to take that car from you. You remember? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we're driving down Division, and I see my mm. girl on out there in the corner. I'm like, what the hell? We weren't kicking it then. You know what I'm saying? I had lost contact yeah. with her, and I seen her out there, so I pulled up in the parking lot and uh, got her attention. So we, you know, went and had some drinks and stuff. Went back down to the bar. So, you know, we hooked up, hooked up, and now it's working that situation. And um, we did this for a while. And one, one night, she didn't, she didn't report because I'd, I'd ride down the strip all the time back and forth to see whether she's all right, you know. And one night she didn't show up like she generally did. So I'm thinking something might have happened to her. So at this point in time, me and Carl still together. It's like about 3 o'clock in the morning. And all of a sudden, I see her, and um, she sees the car, and she takes off running. So I, there's a oh. bar that's close by that um, when she ran into that bar, it was like I had my the uh, the head of the, the car up against her. She's up against the wall, and uh, I told what? I told Claude to get out and get the money. <laughs> yeah, that's to get out and get the money. And uh, so um, she was so, I think she was so scared after that situation that she, I never seen her again. I never seen her again. So, now, Billy, I mean, the lifestyle, was... <laughs> the lifestyle that you had. So are you saying that, you know, I know you said you have many different girlfriends, but the lifestyle that you had back then, it was all cool for everybody to pimp women and stuff like that. Was that the general <laughs> lifestyle? That you guys well had, yeah I think of? that was I think that, yeah I think that's what it was um because you know you look back at my life and uh, you know I have some remorses about a lot of things because I became a person that really I wasn't you know what I'm saying but I gravitated yeah. towards that life you know I hung out with right. pimps and players and uh, I gravitated towards that life um and like I said right. movies have everything to do with the person's actions, believe it or not. Um, and that had yeah. everything to do with it. And in a, in a small community back then, and you're seeing these beautiful Cadillacs, you know, um, pimped out. I mean, you're seeing real 
real true pimps, you know, and you're like, mm. dang, you know, I mean, cause that's all, when you're in the inner city, that's pretty much all you have to look up to because you're not looking up to any business people because there was, that, there was very few business people in the area at that point in time. So that to me was just, it just really made me uh, step up my game, you know, so. And they glamorized uh, that, you know. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So from that, you know, I was I got into um drink and surf, which uh caused a lot of issues, uh because it, it would make me uh actually if I was cool as long as nobody missed with me. But then if somebody missed me then I was ready to, to, to fight. And uh right. I actually had an an incident with a uh a pimp back in them days, um and uh it was mm. about some money. And uh you know, I took and, and hit him and uh, knocked him down. And mm-hmm. my, my crew actually jumped in to break it up. So, and mm. then there was another situation with a girl that I was with for some years. She decided she wanted to go left. And that was cool. I had no problem. But the guy that she was with was somebody that I knew from the West Side. And he was just, he thought I was going to do something because that was his brother that I had had a incident with that mm-hmm. I had a fight with. That was his brother. So when wow. um, I actually had a sense of steam, I'd seen him one time at this place. Uh, they used to have great chicken, um, a place called Brussels, Um And they were right. on Franklin by Jefferson. And they had the best chicken and fish. I don't eat fish, but they had the best chicken. And me and Claude was right. together. We went in there to get some, some food. And um, LP was in there. And he seen me mm-hmm. and Claude, and he just—he was so nervous, he wanted to get out of there, and he dropped his keys. Now he didn't—he didn't—he didn't like Claude that much anyway, but he was his Claude's best mm. friend that night, you know, at that incident. Right. So finally, we got a chance to uh, run into him, and I remember we were going to see some um, college playoffs at uh, my boy Smooth's uh, girlfriend's house, and he was afraid to get in the car. I said, look at man. I said, look at the game accepts game. I said, I don't have no issues with you. Matter of fact, you did me a, a favor. But what was interesting about mm. that situation was, as he uh, got my girl, I end up with his girl. You see what I'm saying? So it's like I was, oh. I was getting paid. So it didn't bother me whatsoever. But he was so um, worried that I was going to do something, and both of those guys are no longer here. God bless their souls. But um, I knew everything that, that, that my boy thought was going on was not going on. I said, man, you have nothing to worry about. We're going to go over and watch this game and kick back. Because I know it was Indiana because I know Smooth's brother played for Indiana. And it could have been an indiana oh. State game. I can't remember. But anyway, that situation was squashed. So, and uh, Yeah. Go ahead. So was this like – was this the lifestyle? Was this the lifestyle of everyone in Grand Rapids then, in general, or at that time? Or you think no, it, no. it was a lifestyle like nationwide, the way guys, the role models in Hollywood, it influenced people to be a certain way? I know they feel yeah, like yeah, yeah, no syrups in Grand Rapids. <laughs> yeah. But like see, that thing, that. it was all over. Yeah, it was all over. Oh, it was all over. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. it wasn't like everybody did it. You know, everybody kind of had their own thing. Some people were just drug dealers. 
And I played a right. part in that situation too. Yeah, but um, a lot of them were just drug dealers. Um, a lot of them were just, you know, players. And a lot of them were just wow. pimps, you know. So I experienced mm, both wow. both parts of that. You know what I'm saying? That's right. why the story, when it comes out movie-wise, it's going to be a hell of a story. And what you're hearing is just the the minor things and not the major things, you know. So right. it actually escalates as time goes on because I um, hmm. actually um, a friend of mine came to me and said uh, that he knew where 50 pounds was. No, it was 100 pounds of, of weed. And I'm um, like, but, where is that at? He says, out in Wyoming, which Wyoming was a no-no. But they're right on the border of Wyoming <laughs> and Grand Rapids. So it was an easy Ooh, getaway. Billy, so you were you know a bad saying? boy. <laughs> oh, man. You were yeah. bad. We went in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was a mess. I was a mess. I, you oh, know, my but, goodness. You, you, oh, man. It was nothing to rob a dope house. It was nothing. I mean, go in there. And uh, strip them down and uh, have the guns on them. I told everybody, I says, whatever you do, when you go in here, don't take no money. Just take the drugs. Mm. And uh, mm. the last time that happened was a guy that turned me on to the to the people that had the 100 pounds. His dumb ass got in there, and uh, when we're leaving out of the house, he grabs the uh, – I think it was a stereo or a TV, and I said, man, put it down, because I was going to shoot him, you know, but we had to get out of mm-hmm. Wyoming, because they didn't have any black people staying in Wyoming at that time, so I had to get this guy and get him in the car, get him out of there, and that's what caught the case, because number one, it was a TV, and then one of my partners had stole some money, stole they rent money. I it went through the Bible and found it. I never found out until about a year or two ago that he did that. He's no longer here but anymore. So I'm like, that's what caught the case. Now, what did your mother, where was your mother, was your mother, was she worried? What, what was she going through at that time? Oh, mom was going through it. Um, actually, back then, I, my bond was like that, um, what was it, 75000 back in the, the early 70s. You're talking about 75. That was a lot mm. of money, and it had to be uh, security bonds. It couldn't be uh, where I could bond myself out. So I was up on a $75,000 um, bond. So I sat in jail mm. for about oh, maybe 30 days, you know, with a bunch of men. How did you get caught? But, how did you get caught? Um, the guy that told me about the dope, he told. He told on everybody. I seen it coming. When I was, that's uh, yeah. how it happened. I actually bought another car, um, which is convertible. Um, and what it was is that I gave my other car to my partner to drive. So they were looking for that car. So they had been following him mm-hmm. all the time and looking for me. And I got this other car, and I was supposed to go out with this uh, this girl, and uh, mm-hmm. she's no longer with us neither. But um, so it's the wintertime. I probably had this car for about two weeks, and my dad and mom 
wants to take the car for a cruise. So I'm like, cool, go ahead. Mm-hmm. You know, so early yet, it's probably about 6 or 7 o'clock, I was getting ready to go pick um, my girl up. So mm-hmm. I was in mom's bedroom combing my hair, and uh, when they came in the house, they, mom, mom was like, I wonder why the police was following us. And automatically, I already oh. knew why they was following us. I'm like, oh, Uh-oh. snap. So they were talking to me. I said, I don't have any idea. So when I got out, because we used to park in the back of the house, you know, against by the fence. And you remember that fence back there in the back? We yeah. We used to go in and I out remember. the back door. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. We used to go in and out of the back door. So I had my car. My dad had pulled the car there. So I came out. I didn't see nothing in the alley at all. I got in the car. As soon as I turned the car on and I got ready to put it forward, I see police coming from all over the place. Zigzagging wow. through the alley because it's icy and stuff. And at the the other part of the alley towards Laurel Street, they blocked that off. They blocked Rumsey Street off. I mean, they actually was uh, doing everything. You know what I'm saying? And they came out and they uh, put cuffs on me. Um, my dad and mom came out and they wanted to tow my car, but my dad wouldn't let them take it because it's on our property. So they let that ride. So I had to listen to the police all the way downtown talk about how bad of a person I was, stuff like that. So I got down there. I just didn't say anything. Um, and I uh, got out finally on bond and I um, contacted all the rest of the people, people that were involved in this and told them, um, cause mm. they were actually minors. I was like, I was like uh, 19, and they were probably 16 or something. So I'm like, look, it just don't even say anything. They ain't going to do nothing but give you probation, you know, this, that, and another. So finally we get in court. By the time we got in court, the, the, the guys we robbed, the white guys we robbed, and they would never want to come to court. So what it was is that every time court would come up, they'd be a no-show. So they actually we literally would have to arrest them. They had them come to court, but that was like a year down the road, you know. So they didn't, mm. they didn't remember me from Man in the Moon. And where they really missed yeah. up at is they put us all in the same room together, which was a no-no. Oh. Because I'm yes, sitting there talking to, to the mom and talking to them. <laughs> I'm talking to them. You know what I'm saying? So they had no clue. So when we got in court, they were questioning um, the guys. And this is, do you know who this guy is? talking about me. Mm. This is no. The guy that we had uh, was much taller mm. and that's because what I did is I cut my hair. I had a big afro. I cut that. And so mm-hmm. they couldn't identify me. And I could tell when we were in the room together they couldn't identify me. So um, oh. they had one person pointing their hand at me. You know. So that's mm-hmm. what the, uh, the whole situation was. So I actually got it thrown out out of court. Mm. So as we moved from there, um, we ended up getting on, um, what they have? They threw that out. It was something, oh, the first case that I got, it was, a, it was terrible. And it was not nothing big. It was marijuana, because marijuana was 20 years back then, like heroin. So mm. I'm at school. I bought me, back in them days, you can get like a, a little uh, envelope a little small envelope, and you could buy a $5, you know, bag, an envelope, and you get five joints out of it easily. So, you know, I had it on me, so I go to school, and a few of my friends, 
I said, I got some weed and stuff. I said, we can go back to the house because mom was working back then. And we can go back to the house mm-hmm. and, you know, play some music and, and smoke some weed. Well, one of the people got, you know, well, let's just pull over and I'll roll the joint. Now, school, central school from my house wasn't that far. So we're sitting in a rich mm-hmm. area up there and, 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 you know, we're sitting there rolling weed. And at this point in time, nobody really knows, knows how to roll weed that well. So um, with Kevin Evans, he's gone now. Um, he's rolling, got the weed all out on the, uh, um, the, uh, glove compartment, got that, got the uh, door down, got the weed on that mm-hmm. and rolling it. Now we're in a beautiful neighborhood, you know, and I'm just sitting there looking. So we get one joint going, he want to roll some more. So I noticed the car, um, a 88 Oldsmobile, the same color as my, uh, my cousin Phyllis's car. And I'm looking and. But out of the side of my eye, I see these, these detectives run up, and they snatch the doors open, and Kevin's hands is all in the weed. So we end up downtown. We end up downtown, so, mm-hmm. of course, I had to call my mom, looking at 20 years mm-hmm. at that time. So they had to raise money for that, and that took a while. I took uh, ended up getting um, probation because I didn't have a record, so the probation and uh i had to see a uh a, a big brother once a week and i had my uh probation i think was once a month so mm-hmm. after that you know i went through all that situation and, and got to and got out so that was a major situation now the other situation let's see we had the uh that marijuana case um then we had the, the other 100-pound case, and there was something else. Oh, this one. This one, I had no business being in this situation whatsoever. I'm at school. Mm. I'm at school, and one of my friends from the west side, he's like, hey, man, uh, can you give me a ride to my sister's job? He said, i get you some gas money. I'm like, okay, you know, I'm not doing anything. I'm getting ready to leave school anyway. So he take me over to his factory, and it's it's behind South High School. Now I'm sitting in the car waiting for him because I'm thinking his sister actually works in this place. So I see him looking mm. in the cars and stuff. So I get outside the car. I said, "Man, what are you doing?" You know what I'm saying? At this point in time, all the workers up there running out, and they grab. He gets away. They grab me. So the police come. I'm back downtown again, you know, so they're questioning mm. me and I'm telling them I had nothing to do with none of this stuff. I gave him a ride and uh, this is what happened. He got away. I said, but if you let me go, I said, I'll go by and, and I'll catch him and make him come down here. So they let me go. And I went by, um, by his house and he wasn't there, but I went by another friend's house and they came out. So he's in here. I said, you tell that, tell him to get out here. So I, um, he came out and said, look, you're going to handle that situation. And he did. But it took mm. a year for me to get out of that. But as of this day, mm. I have no record. But it was just a, a crazy wow. situation. But and you there see so how much God, he had to be with you with all of this. Woo. Everything. He had to be with everything. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, be- and because a lot of people did not survive with you, you know. <laughs> 
Lots of yeah. people did not well, survive what you've been through. Well, I'll tell you how crazy this thing is. I've been in situ- situations where gunplay was involved. Um, I asked the um, the guy, I gave him some money to get some weed. Once again, West Side. I love my side of town, West Side. But I, I lent him <laughs> some money to get some um, I think it was a quarter of a pound or something. And he played me. So um, he had, uh, when I went to get my money, money, I was just getting ready to go to work for General Motors. And I, was, I had my own man, my old manager with me. He was from out of, uh, where was he from? Indiana. I think it's from out of Indiana. And uh, real good. This guy was real good boss. Um, I hated to leave, but I didn't want to, to take and transfer to different areas like the company wanted me to do. So I took the job at General Motors. So he's with me. He gets high. And so we're riding around. It was an off day. And I go down by the bank, and I see uh, the guy that owes me money. He's one of our other West Side brothers. So I see him. I said, man, where's my money? You know what I'm saying? So he flashed a gun. I'm like, oh, yeah? So we're I'm at the, I'm in the driver's seat with the car with my foot on the brake, and I'm wrestling with him. And the dude that's my, my manager, he's freaking out. This white dude's like, mm. what the hell's going on? You know, so we're, we're battling mm-hmm. over the gun, so I'm dragging him down the street until he takes and, and uh, releases. And he's all down on the ground, mm. so I'm taking off. So, so I drop off the, uh, the my manager. I drop him off, and I go directly to, to Claude. Because at, at this time of the day, I know that less is working, um, the people that I'm looking for is not going to be available. So I hook up mm. with Claude. I said, we got to find him to get the gun because he had a gun. I said, get the gun. I said, I'm going to do something to this guy, you know. So I'm pissed. So at this time, I was already working with General Motors. And I think I, had, I think it was my 93rd day there. So I called in and said I was sick. And all mm-hmm. day long, I got me some syrup from somebody. I don't know who it was. So we're looking for him. He's nowhere to be found. Now I've um, I had something to say about um, one of that is a known killer. He's with this real pretty girl, and we're at the bar we're at, the, mm. at the Bill's retreat. So I'm talking stuff um, about he doesn't need he doesn't need that girl. You know, he needs me. And my boy Claus like man, and he don't back down from nothing. He said man. Do you know who you're messing with? I said, I know exactly who I'm messing with. And I started shouting his name out. So this guy got mm. up, him and his girlfriend left. And and, and Carl said, you did it now, man. I said, did what? You know, I'm high off that surface stuff. He said, man, I don't care about none of that. Mm. Well, after the after we left the bar, we took off and uh, went to the west side. Sure enough, the guy's car is there. So... I'm back and forth for Claude. I said, give me the gun, man. Give me the gun. I'm going to go ahead. Because the way his apartment was set up is right on the corner of uh, Granville and Laurel Street. And he's like an upstairs apartment. And I've been in his apartment before. So when you open it up, the door swings towards the bedroom, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. It swings towards the bedroom. Mm-hmm. just like a small studio apartment. And him and his girls up there. So I'm like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to kick the door in. And then he said, but his girl is up there. And I'm off this house to search. And I says, well, you know what? Then she's in the wrong place at the wrong time. 
said, I'm going to get him. I'm going to get her, too. And he said, no, man, Mm. you can't do that, man. Don't mess your life up like that. I said, man, look, at this point in time, I'm so mad, I don't care. You know what I'm saying? So he finally, he finally like, man, give me the gun back. I said, man, I'm not giving you the gun back. He said, man, you can't do that, man. It's going, you're going to ruin your life. I said, I'll tell you what, you're right. And I shot the back windshield out of the Cadillac that he had. Mm. So that was worth my money right there. So left that situation. So it's just, I mean, it goes on and on and on, you know, until I now, finally. Now, were you, were you, were you like, I mean, during that time, did they have gangs? Were you in a gang at all? No, no, that wasn't real prevalent. That didn't start happening until probably the, the latter 80s. No, not oh, really? I, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. yeah, it didn't start there until about maybe until we started getting this rap stuff going, where it started getting hardcore rap, is when them games started developing. So when I left Grand oh, Rapids, okay. there were no games, you know, so that didn't happen until, like I said, probably the 90s, you know, because I left, in, I left mm-hmm. in 80. I think I left Grand Rapids in 80. But, yeah, it was none of that. Um, but it was a bunch of respect out there with people. Um, you didn't have a lot of gunplay, that's for sure. Right. I think you had more gunplay right. um, as the, the heroin started coming into play. When that started coming into play, then it started being a little bit more, uh, more of a gun situation. You know, so other than that, it was just people fighting. Um, and that was a way of living to see another day. So that right. was the, the beauty of them times. You know, you'd have to be mm. really, really messed up to kill somebody, you know, and, and generally that would happen over some drugs, you know, every wow. time when you have situations like that well, happen. Well, Billy, I yeah. have to say hold your thoughts because I know that mm-hmm. we are due for a quick commercial break. And then I think when we come back, I know there's questions that, TJ wants to ask you. Yes, 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 <laughs> I do. Yes, I do. Okay. Oh yeah. So, All right. You're listening to you're listening to CRS Radio, the Knowledge Station, the Chat Reel with Billy and Friends. This week's guest is our own host, the incomparable Billy Tappen, aka Goldie Love. We'll be right back more with our host Billy Tappen as our guest right after this. Hello, it's Shalom, Catrillers. This is Dr. Denise Bocatis, metaphysician, philosopher, and psychotherapist. I am one of the hosts of the chat room with Billy and Friends. I'm also the host of the Black Jewish Queen live chat. I am here to announce another good friend of Billy Tappan and Friends, the writer of The Matrix and Terminator, the original Oracle herself. Sci-fi writer, Oscar, and award-winning Sophia Stewart. Did you know that Sophia Stewart has a lineup of fantastic books available, especially for those who love and enjoy her written work of The Matrix and The Terminator movies? If you love these movies, you will love her books. Her latest book is quite exciting for those who love The Matrix. It is called The Evolution of Conscience. Matrix 4, that is the evolution of conscious. Matrix 4, in this book, Sophia Stewart talks about 
cracking the genetic code. This is a must read for those who love the Matrix and the Terminator. I am happy to announce this book is available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble bookstores. It is also a recommended book on Goodreads, along with her other best-selling five-star books. Number one, The Third Eye. Number two, The Mother of the Matrix. Number three, Matrix Trivia, all written by Sophia Stewart. These books are popular, and they are selling fast. Order your copy today. Don't forget, Sophia Stewart's books are available on Amazon, sold at your local Barnes & Noble bookstores. You can even purchase her book on Goodreads. You can also visit her webpage at thetruthaboutmatrix.com. That is thetruthaboutmatrix.com. Order yours before supply runs out. The choice is yours. The blue pill or the red pill. Chat with you soon, your people. Bye-bye.
Introducing Caribbean Radio Show, the chat reel with Billy and Friends. And now, here is your host, Billy Tappin. And we are back. Um, and I know that TJ had some questions. Um, then I'm going to come yep. back with some things that I forgot to mention. So go ahead, TJ. Okay. All right, all right. First, before I ask the questions, the cuts you've been listening to tonight are Thai, Taiwan. The first one was You Should Ask. The second one was Rules to the World. And that last cut we just heard was Taiwan Ride the Wave. And you can download that, uh, buy that on any um, uh, all the media uh, outlets and all that. So just stay tuned for Taiwan. All right, Billy. <clears throat> Here we go. Now you're all right. for questions. All right. <laughs> sure. Okay. Any questions? All right. Lines are open, so go ahead. Okay, now, because I know you, I'm going to let let them in on a little secret. I know you. Okay, that's a secret. But uh, (laughs) uh, what I want to know, my question is, how do you fast forward to where do you get to become Goldie Love? Let's get to that. Okay, let me let me just break this one thing down, then I'll tell you exactly how it happened. Um, this is what happened. Um, this is what I used to. Yes, this is this is what I. I had a problem one time with a person that was just just a, a problem, major problem for me um, when I was in the game. Um, so uh, what we did one time is like uh, we got together with him, made him feel comfortable, made him feel like everything was all right. Um, but we took him out. We hung out for the whole day, drinking and getting high. And we took him out um, what we call River Road. It's on the west side going out towards river. And it's real, it's a, a woody area. And uh, what we did, we took him out there and uh, actually got him out of the car and, and uh, took and tied him up by the tree and uh, started shooting at him. Didn't kill him, but we started shooting at him. So that was in the younger years. I'm not that person anymore. But that, I think, alone scared him to death. And he didn't have any any more problems, never had any more problems, because, matter of fact, he kind of made sure he distanced himself. So that <laughs> would, too. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. So now let's get to um, where we're at. How does Goldie Love come about? Well, back in in, um, in the 70s, I was called Dollar Bill because That's there was right. nothing for me to throw. Yes, there was nothing for me to throw $10,000 to 
inside the the Eldo in the in the summertime with air air conditioning blowing, with hundreds are just flying through the car. Now these are when you had friends that were friends. You know, I can take all my money back and count it up. Ain't nothing, nothing. So let's get to where Goldie Love comes in at. What happened was I moved here from up north in '84, and uh, I met well Bobby. I knew Bobby and Kevin, so they yeah. were doing um, the uh, the Bars Brothers. They was doing them. Oh, so that's right. I yeah, was actually going to. Yes, I was going to be an investor on concerts, you know, because I had pretty much stopped singing and doing stuff in Grand Rapids because I was too busy getting high. So when we got to the show, because I think it was um, uh, uh, LJ's latest arrival was on that ticket, and I think the Bars was on that ticket, the Bars Brothers. Yeah. So yeah, after the, the show was over RJ's latest arrival. Yes, it was. Yep. Yeah, so when the show was over, me and Jeff sat down along with Bobby, and we're talking, and Jeff said, well, you know, what you doing these days? I said, man, I'm just kind of chilling, you know. So he says, well, I'm still doing the music. He says, what you doing? I said, I'm not doing the music. I'm just doing promotions. And I said, well, what you got going on, Jeff? He says, well, you know, I got a single coming out, but I, uh, I can't, I don't have enough to pay for the records. I said, well, how much is it? He said it was $1,000 to get, I think it was like 500 records or something like that. So I yeah. said, shoot, I had that money in my closet. I had like 10 grand at least in my closet at all times. You know, and uh, I said, well, I'll tell you what, it was a Friday. No, it was a Saturday. I said, um, he's staying with Bob. Uh, Jeff was staying with Bobby. I said, I'll be there okay. on Monday. I'll be there Monday. And I gave him the money to get that done. So he calls me and says, man, you need to get back in the game, man, in the recording situation. I said, man, I ain't singing. You know, I sang around the house, but, you know, I hadn't sung in, in, in a few years. So he convinced me. He convinced me. So he came out with Never Fall in Love. The first one was yeah, uh, uh, Hurry, Don't You Wait. <laughs> Hurry, Don't yes. You Wait was me and El Travis. And Bobby DeBarge right. and Jeff was in on that project. Bobby helped out a lot. Uh, with the uh, the vocal situation, um, so I have to give him you know uh, praises for that. Um, but it turned out to be a, a major situation for me, um, and that's when it, you guys got the project. So it started oh, there. Yeah. It started in nineteen nineteen eighty five, was when mm-hmm. Hurry Don't You Wait came. Yes. Then we came I back. Remember, I remember so this is how it happens. So we're in the studio. The song is done. Um, both sides is done. So now it's like we got to name him. And I'm like, okay, you know what I'm saying? Because I was just going to go with my regular name. And uh, they said, let's do this. So uh, Jeff says, he said, Goldie. It's Goldie. I'm thinking, Goldie? He said, yeah, yeah, Goldie Love. And I didn't know how to take it at first. I'm like, okay. And then Bobby yeah. said, yeah, yeah, that, that'll work. That'll work. And I'm like, it okay. Did, it does fit you, though. It does fit you very much. Yeah, and, and that's what it was. Um, so Bobby was behind that situation, and both of those guys are gone. Um, so that's how it all started. And then everything we had, we had plugs from for concerts from Elma Starworth, her son, 
was involved with a, um, a guy out of Detroit, and they were doing shows all the time. And they were doing first-class shows. You know, when I did um, Dave and Eddie, I also did the, uh, um, um, the telethon. You know that telethon I they have? I was on that. Oh, yeah. I think you're talking about yeah. John Reed, John T. Reed Productions. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, so they were actually doing these shows, man. And I was, like, getting limos and stuff like that, you know, the, yeah. you know, hotels and, you know, that kind of stuff. So that kind of, like, was real crazy. And then when um, I worked with uh, with uh, David and, and Eddie on two different situations because they were also on um, the telethon. But they had uh, my boys from, uh, oh, God, where was, what group was he from? Howard Huntsbury. Um, I can't oh, forget what movie uh, he's from. Yeah, he played Jackie Wilson in the movie, remember? Yeah, yeah. I forget the name of the group, though. Yeah. Yes, I can't think of it right I now. But yeah. you know who was supposed to play that role? You. Ray Potter. Yeah. Ray? At that time, Ray Potter would have wow, been the perfect person for that role. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I but, it was you. you know... Man, hey, we're supposed to play that role. But anyway, that's where it began, and it started kind of small snowballing after that, and I realized this is where I need to be, you know? And it's like all the, the attention that I was getting um, at them time, at them days, because I'd go into Grand Rapids, people want autographs, and in Lansing, they thought they thought it was Tomoki, you know? So when they found out, when I did that show with Johnny Taylor, I blew the yep. doors off that, that place. There were people there from Grand Rapids that um, didn't know it was me. And yep. they seen him when I was on stage. They said, that, he looks familiar. You know, so when I got off stage, you know, I was actually able to see some of them. But, you know, this is where everything started, you know, and it's just kind of mushroomed. So now we're back. Um, I've got a track that I'm putting together now with, uh, with Jenny. Um, um, lyrically, I'm waiting to hear okay. back from her. I sent the track over to her. So I'm gearing up. Now, Billy, I think to I think you told some of your some of the movies what we were with which you were telling me earlier on. Yeah, yes. So that's what this is leading up to. I mean, it's a lot more stuff that goes in this. I was just giving uh, everybody kind of like a sketch of of where I was at. You know what I'm saying? In terms of my right. coming up, it's going to be real deep because of things that happen. But uh, the story is, is very well written, and it's going to be a, it's going to be a, um, a story that, that deals with both lights, lights, the life of my heart donor, because we get into that is, issue. I had that happen in 96 when I was um, – uh, when the doctors uh, told me I had an enlarged heart. So I was fine. I was still performing at that time. Um, actually doing some things with Andre Bennett um, and a few others, uh, uh, J.J. Flanagan, and just a lot of different yep. things I was doing here on the local. And uh, everything was fine up until about mm, maybe 98. It was starting having problems, you know, water fluid around my, my heart and stuff like that. So I, I had to back off for a while. I still did some things with uh, some other musicians. Um, and then after that, 2002, 
I had a minor stroke. And then from that, mm-hmm. it kind of laid me back for a while. And then I had um, another one in 2000, I think 2006. So, you know, I'm like, man, this is, I can't do anything right now. And then come 2009, I had to have a heart. So with this story, the story intertwines uh, myself and my heart donor. And, and it's a very, very uh, beautiful story how it actually comes together. Because at the end of the day, it boils down to God. Regardless of what happens, it boils down to God. And a lot of things that people are going to see is going to be shocking, you know, of some of the things that I did and what I went through. It's going to be very shocking. So that's where we're at. Now, do you want to tell people a little? Oh, TG, I know this is your interview. (laughs) No. No, um, I wanted to, yeah. I wanted, I wanted Billy though to touch a little bit upon his experience, his near death experience when he died. Just give people okay. just a little bit. Yes, yes. Well, this is a, a very. Uh, this is what happened to me when I went in. I was on a heart transplant list for, uh, I don't know, maybe about a month, but my heart was so bad they had to induce me into a coma. But before that happened. Before that happened, I was I was at uh, Sparrow Hospital here in Lansing, and they told me, "says Well, there's no more we can do here for you. We have to send you over to Ann Arbor." So I ended up over in Ann Arbor, and I'm um, sitting up in the room. I'm actually talking to Shelly on the phone. I says, "You know, uh, I said the room is real nice. I said the room is really nice." I said, "So I, I'm cool. I'm just sitting here chilling." And no longer than I got off the phone, the doctors came in. And they said, well, how are you doing? I said, I'm doing great, you know. And they're starting to talk, and all of a sudden, man, it, it's nothing but God. I start feeling, like, nauseated. And I'm hearing, I you know how you hear, but you don't, you're not paying attention because you're trying to, you're trying to, you're looking at the wastebasket, you know, and you're trying to not want to interrupt them, but, hey, I got to have that wastebasket, you know what I'm saying? So what happened was when I did get the wastebasket, when I, I couldn't drop anything because I had eaten. So they said I uh, attempted to throw up, and then I fell back, and I was dead working on me. So I, I what I experienced, experienced being in a white room, and uh, there was like a shadow. I didn't see any faces like a shadow, and it looked to be like a plasma type of situation, but it was like, it was like it was kind of like, not built in. It's just like it kind of like covered the whole area. And it, it told me, the person said, you know, the spirit told me, well, you're going to see your life review. And it was very, very, some of it was very, very hurtful because you, what wow. you do, man, this is, this is what I got out of it, that God is not a judging God. You judge yourself. So I felt all the pain that the person that I hurt, I felt the pain of my mom, felt the pain of my dad, um, and people yeah. that I hurt, you know, I mean, just the torment of just the things that I did, like, you know, tying the guy up to the tree and shooting at him, you know what I'm saying? Right. I'm feeling what he's feeling because he's thinking he's going to die, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not that person anymore. 
but it's like you feel the same situation uh, that they feel, and you can't change any of the dialect whatsoever. You know, you can go inside mm. that person and feel what they feel. You can be outside the conversation, um, but you cannot change any words that you said because it's all going to be the same. And it's just a story from beginning to end, from the beginning of your birth when you're coming into this world. You're experiencing everything that you did and how you hurt people. thing it is, it's balancing the situation out, you know, and I think I did a lot more good and definitely doing a lot more good now, you know, than I did back then. So now, what I was now told you said when, when your life was like this new, though, did you say that um, it was like you, everything you did to everybody, you kind of experienced what they felt? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Wow. And before I entered to the entered to the white room, let me explain this situation. Um, I was like, in like, it was like, you know, when it gets to sunset, you know, in in a spot mm-hmm. where I'm in between worlds, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's like, yeah. Or oh, this is yes. like yep. the gatekeeper. This might have been the gatekeeper because he's like in an old, like a 1949 pickup, and I can see in this uh, setting that I can see a light. I can see a light, mm. a distant light. So I'm asking the guy, um, how do I get to heaven? Mm. And he says, you just got to follow that light. But it was something oh. that I felt wasn't natural behind me. So something was telling me right. not to look back. Right. So I started approaching the light, and that's when I ended up into the white room. So oh. at that time happened. You, you, you really saying it. Yeah. Yeah, you really saying it, Bill, because yeah. I experienced sort of kind of, I know we interviewed you, but uh, in 2012, I had two pulmonary embolisms, and I was in a coma, induced coma, mm-hmm. and I saw what? all the same kind of things you're describing and went through most of the stuff you're describing, uh, what I've done in my past life and some jobs I had that, you know, I really, you know, felt bad about doing, you know, to certain things in life, you know, you have some uh, right. remorse for. And uh, you are so right. You are so the white light. And, I mean, it's like uh, yeah. it, it, people say, you know, you know, because you went the hardest part is trying to explain that kind of light because it's not like yeah. white painting on the wall. It's different, you know. It's it's not mm-hmm. you know, not I think it's like white paint in your house or something. Yeah. No, it's different. Wow. It's totally different. Yeah. So TJ, and, and you had a near death experience as well? Wow. I called it twice. I was in a coma for fourteen days in two twenty twelve. I had two pulmonary wow. and I called it twice. They brought me back twice. They told my family, Get your priest up here for last rites. He's not gonna make it. And my dad said you don't know him. I have my dad said I have five sons and you don't know him. He's the middle son. He's number three. And he mm-hmm. he's a tough joker. <laughs> yeah. So, well yeah. I'll tell you this. I mean, I, I, I'll tell you. Yeah. I'll tell you this. What mm-hmm. I do know is that you can hear things in a coma. That's why yeah. it's very you know, when people go to see people that are in a coma, you gotta be careful yeah. what you say. Because that can shake them up because they know they can't open their eyes. You know what I'm saying? They can't move, but they're hearing stuff. Mm -hmm. 
Now, with my situation, as I'm dead, the doctors are coming out telling my, my wife and, and my daughter um, they're trying to stop the bleeding. They can't stop the bleeding. My surgery took longer mm. than what it would take. It was only it was only like a four-hour procedure, and I think it was like about 12 hours to try to spare mm. me, try to save me. And finally they got it. But Lisa says, you know, yeah, he's not going anywhere. You know what I'm saying? He's not going anywhere. So you just keep on doing what you do. And, uh, and I when I woke say that up, I remember your mother, your mother, she called me and she mm-hmm. said, pray for Billy. Because yeah, we all, she said, yeah. at first yeah. you were looking good and then you weren't looking good. So. Yeah, yeah, it got into the point. It got bad. It yeah. got really bad. And like I said, I didn't know other than the fact of where I went in between worlds and entered into this white room. So um, I was told mm. I had to go back because I had things to do. And um, you know, I'm like, you know, I did everything. You know, so when I got back and I woke up, that's the first thing I did was thank God and just ask him, yeah. I said, what is it that you want me to do? You know what I'm saying? I did everything, you know? I mean, the music yes. situation, and it's like yeah. it's like I heard a voice say, do your, do your life story, and it will touch somebody. And I'm like, okay. So I started doing it in my head at the hospital. So when I got home, the first person I see that's been in contact with me is Ray Potter. Ray Potter came over and spent half the day with me. I got home about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. He didn't leave my house until about 7. So we're supposed to be working on some projects when I started getting a little stronger, but it didn't happen, which is okay. Um, but I started writing, and I brought Hassan in, my cousin in, because I couldn't, you know, I can't type or anything like that. I was just, just trying to write it by hand, and I struggled, man. I was down to 120 pounds. I could not even walk. I'd have to get yeah. in a car and go mail it off to him where he gets yeah, I was bad, man. Wow. And so yeah, we put yeah, the story together. Yeah, hey, we Billy? put the story together. Well, that... Are you there, Billy? Huh? Oh. Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Didn't really? Ray, even though you were so skinny, your legs fell up so big? He yes. said your legs were like yes. elephant. You were 120 pounds to so your bone, but your legs were swelled up like an elephant. Yeah, they were. Right. I mean, it was TV crazy. Or is that Julie in the house tonight? Yes. So, you know, it did, they did swell up. Um, that was a lot of fluid that was left and I had to wear these socks for a while, um, along with, um, being careful how much water I intake I would take in. Um, and then finally, mm-hmm. it finally started coming down. So, you know, I've been doing wonderful. Um, I did end up having um, a couple seizures, seizures that I never had before. Um, so I don't know what where that came from, but they give me some medicine for it. And they said, well, you know, if you don't want to take it anymore, nine out of ten, it'll probably never happen. I said, you know what, I've been taking it. So ain't no chance, ain't no sense of taking any chances. Um, I'll just keep on taking it, and I haven't had any seizures since. So it, it's just you know the life is is just you know I realize what life is all about, and I'll tell you this: it's all about love. 
That's what I got out of it. It's all about love. And as you work, if you pass this love around to everybody, even your enemy, the enemy cannot take it. I mean, love is a thing that will get us to the next level in life. This is why it's so right. important that I'm raising the money, raising the money for this project. First, we're doing we're going to do um, a couple books. Um, one on um, that story, and I'm doing a comedy book. So we're working those situations out as we speak, as well as trying to raise the funding to shoot this. Because I'm going to use uh, uh, be, uh, this cast, a couple of them, and the rest of them is going to be uh, Michigan-bred um, actors and actresses. So, I mean, anybody out there is listening, listening and is looking for uh, something to uh, invest into, this would be a perfect project. Um, about God, you know what I'm saying, and how this changed me tremendously. And uh, I am mm. not that person anymore. You know, I walked through the fires. You know what I'm saying? I did everything that I had no regards for anybody back in them days. You know, I was always about wow. me, what was best for me. Yeah. You know, um, I was never, ever selfish, but it was all about me at the end of the day. And I learned that it takes uh everybody to come together as one to conquer the wickedness that we have on this planet. Until we get to that, we're going to be in a situation that's going to be unrepairable. So it's, right. it's they're coming. So, yeah. So if anybody well, got Steve, any more questions, then. Steve, Stevie Wonder said it best. Only love can conquer hate. That's right. And that's it's right. the truth. And people, it's so easy. It's so easy to do to change this whole equation up because they cannot do wickedness to you if you are, have love in your heart. They just can't. They, you know, yeah. evil can't be around love. It's just like no. uh, positive and negative, you know. Right. You've got to have, you know, the positive and negative things is what makes everything work, but you've got to keep that separated when it comes to love. You have to be a loving person. And reach out and love everybody. I don't care what the situation is. There's a lot of people that I didn't like in life, you know, but, you know, I have to look at it differently because we don't know their story. We don't know how they were raised. We don't know what happened. I was raised in a good home. There was no reason for me to, to ever go the routes that I went. I come from a good home. You know, I didn't miss one meal. Yeah. I had clothing, you know, but that's just the way yeah. I operated. You know, I just was like, like I said, the the TV and everything has a lot to do with you know what goes on with your life because you you're getting in and you're you're self conscious and when things right. when people start doing things and, and dressing a certain way that's that's what they're programming you to do you know what I'm saying yeah. it's you know, almost like a brainwashing machine yep yeah it, is. it really is you know, so that's, that's a, why that's I, say, a big I call marketing it, machine called Madison Avenue you know. They have you believe well, one day when you, you know, uh, you know, I mean, it well, used to be, if you look at commercials it. now, look at commercials now. All right. Um, yeah. You know, they show, yeah. they're showing all kinds of walks of life in commercials. There was a time when mm-hmm. you see a Tony the Tiger commercial and there would be only one type person on in that commercial. If you get what I'm trying to tell you, <laughs> Yeah. you know, so well, let me tell I've, you I've come a long way. They've come a long way, but there's still a long way to go, too. That's the way I see it. Now, let me tell you this. Have you noticed what they've been doing to commercials with all these different entities they've been showing? 
Like yes, different entities yeah. from different yes. universes. So they're prepping you up. But one thing about TV is they tell it. Television is tell a lie vision. Tell a lie vision. Tell a lie. Tell a lie vision. Oh, yeah. You know? Say it again. Say it again. That's what it is. <laughs> yes, tell a, tell a lie vision. <laughs> yep. So that's what it boils down to. But they're prepping us up now for what's yet to come. Because there are entities that are out there that's here of all different But they're not good because if they were good, I mean, they're not good because if they were good, it seemed like things are getting worse. You know, it seems like that they're kind of behind it. Well, they are. There's some good malevolence here, but there are some other entities that are here that has given all this technology that could be for the benefit of man, but they're going to use this technology the wrong way. Just like yeah. all they this, this destroy uh, man, uh, so they can ro- take over the planet themselves. Yeah, all this robotic stuff is going to be a problem. All these computers are going to yeah. be a problem because they are going to turn. And Sophia mm-hmm. stated that. You know, and when you look yeah. at the Matrix, you look at the Terminator. Right. It's telling you exactly what's going to happen. But they are so stuck on stupid that they continue to, to do this to their own demise. You know, you know the yep. outcome. You're not going to outsmart no computer. Once you program that computer, it's going to learn more and yep. more and more, and then, then it's going to take over. And it's, it's okay as smart as its programmer, too. You know, until it, till it yeah. gains more knowledge, the initial programming is only as smart as the programmer. Then it gains more knowledge, like That's you said, right. Billy, and then it snowballs from there. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I don't trust Elon Musk. I think he's playing both sides of the fence. Um, he's trying to make it look like he's the good guy, but I don't think he is because everything is going through him technology-wise. You know, they're making it so intelligent right. now, man. It's like it's eavesdropping on us. Eavesdropping on us. The change right. of currency right. is going to be a big factor. One of my biggest problems mm-hmm. with Elon you know Musk is, is he built that rocket to go up there to the moon. Now, we don't know. We went to the moon in 1969, okay? We know what's right here. So he wasted all that money when he could have done something more positive for society, like uh, uh, young starving children in this world who go to school with nothing to eat or no clothes or or help homeless people, uh, help uh, homeless vets who have PTSD issues who uh, uh, they're falling through the cracks. You know, I mean, I'm I, I'm looking at that and like, you actually build a rocket to go to the moon. We already went to the moon. That was back in '69. That's a long well, we time ago. We, we know what's up there. No, he said we did. Well, yeah, well, yeah. yeah. I mean, that, he, well, that, his name is yeah. um, He is the well, first. I mean, he I, that I, rocket that he put out last week is the first one that is going to carry um, flights that you can buy a seat on. In fact, he sold the whole first year seats on it. His rocket isn't to necessarily go up and explore. It's to take people into outer space. Mm. He is the first rocket. Whoa. It's the most successful rocket oh, ever, ever seen, too. Bigger than NASA's or Russia's or anything else. That rocket that went off last week that failed, they, oh. he says it's going to take another eight weeks. Peace Freedom to by January 1st, the first 25 people who are common people who bought a half million dollar flight to space. He's taking uh-huh. on that flight. Well, That's crazy. well I won't that is be crazy. Because uh, I ain't got that kind of money. <laughs> I don't know. I'm well, to tell you the truth. I'm fine right here on Earth. <laughs> yeah. And I don't got that well, kind of money. Well, let me tell you this. Well, let me tell you this. This is about the elites. This has nothing to do with us because they know they're going to destroy this planet. 
It's been done before by the elites. It's been done before. This is not the first time this has happened. They're going to destroy everything they can because they want the downside to humans. They're only going to take a few humans with them. They're already prepared. They're already prepared underground as well. And some of them are going to go into space. The one of the other planets, they've already mapped it out. It's a done deal. So if people want to go along with the program that they're talking about, keep on being blinded by it. Because trust me, if you're making that kind of stuff, it's to get the elites off this planet because the stuff's going to hit the fan. When the computers and, you know, all this, this stuff is happening like the Terminator, it's going to take over. So it's going to be more smarter than man. And they're telling you that in the movies, in the earlier years, they're telling you that. And when you look at Star Trek, look at all the players they have in there. They have some entities in their stuff. You know, you look at, uh, what's the other one uh, uh, that has uh, the, the uh, Wookiee, Wookiee in it? You know Star what I'm saying? Wars. Star Wars. They're showing you. Star Wars, they're showing, they're showing you. They didn't know Skywalker. what it's been like. Yeah. yeah, they know it's been life in other planets. So the thing of it is, is that we have to be the ones to wake up because we're getting played and we're just blinded by all the nonsense that they've, they've put in our heads. All of it's been a program from day one. Ever since we were kids coming up, all that stuff's been a program. There, there was never designed for us to really actually excel. I mean, some were able to do it, but outside of that, this program was to keep you locked in and keep your kids locked in. And everything that the government's going to tell you is going to be a lie. Everything's starting to come out now. They're starting to talk about what happens with the Kennedy assassination and other things that happened. You know, that was a total setup. He was trying to shut Richard the elites down. Watergate. <laughs> all of that. Gerald Ford. All of that. Yeah. So now that they're trying to cover everything up, but it can no longer be held on coverage because our higher source makes sure that everything gets exposed. So it's up to us whether we want to believe or whether we don't want to believe. But you're going to believe at some point in time when you start seeing entities walking around you that are not human. You know, some of them are going to be mean. Some of them are going to be, you know, um, good, good beings, good, good entities. The, the movie it's a battle between good and evil. Yes, thank you. You know, it's going to be a, it's going to be a question of good and evil, and I guarantee you, good will always prevail. It's just a matter of time. So, um, anybody else got anything they want to ask me? I'm more open. Any, well, any I'm questions? looking forward to the movie that is coming, and and looking forward to everything else. <laughs> yes, I'm looking yes. forward to a part of the movie. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? It all boils down to um, a lot of people that have been around um, that will be a part of some of this stuff um, because it's it's important. I think. Um, that we lost so many people. We lost Ray, we lost Kevin, we lost Jeff. You know, we lost Bobby. everybody. Yeah, Bobby, Belafonte, Jeff, did boy. you hear about Yeah, Harry Belafonte. Just No yeah, 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 I heard about that. He passed. Yeah, yeah, I heard about that. Legendary legendary yeah. actor, humanitarian, activist, everything. I mean the man the man's career, he could have been a a a, 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 a Gigantic. I mean, he could have been a global superstar actor, but his activism was the thing for him. 
him and Dick Gregory, right. both, yeah. they they believed, you know, they were trying to make this world better for all of us, not just black folks, but all of us. That's yeah. our job, and that's what I try to put out there. Even when we're talking about corporations and stuff like that, you know, my theory is this. If you want to make a difference in this world, then you start like we're starting, you know, fund the projects that we're doing because we're doing the right thing. We're doing it for humanity. It's not about the things that I've experienced, man. It's not about anything else but trying to help people. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's trying to help people That's and get some people off the, the streets. And what makes me, what burns me the most is that you have California and New York with some of the biggest populations of homeless people. And what do they do? Open yes. the doors to everybody else but helping their own. It's always been that way. Yep. That's why when they yes. go to the military, go to you know, the war and stuff like that, they don't get treated. They get treated like crap. Because they yep. don't run, yeah. the, the military is ran by the elites. We don't have a government. I mean, we have a setup like the government, the military but it's like they're all being bought and paid for. Thank you. They're doing all kinds of stuff behind our backs, and yet we sit that up there and feed into Vietnam. Thank you. They didn't give a damn about yeah. them people. They first, one of my cousins just got, well, he's been dead for a few years, but got paid off. I'm um, just in the last mm. what fifteen years, Julie. Yeah, I don't know the Julie's still wow. on, but you know he just yeah. Got I had uncles, I had uncles over there in Vietnam. Agent Orange, they finally admitted to that. It took them, you know, for years. The war had been over fifty years, that's, and they still that's a shame. They, they, yeah. I mean, it's like you, yeah. you, you know, I just like people put their neck on the line, just like Muhammad Ali. Let's talk about Muhammad Ali real quick, just real quick, and I'll get out the way. Um, oh yeah, the man took his beliefs and stood by his belief, his religious beliefs, and they tried to shut him down all the way down. They tried to put him in prison. Mm. You know? Yeah. But and that's ridiculous. Because just because, knew. yeah. You know, just it's because game, he TV. took that stand. He, they, it's they, a he game. Went from 4F, he was 4F, and then he went from 4F to 1A. And he said they didn't even tell him. He said, "How can I go from 4F, which is the, which you know, which is because he couldn't read uh, that well, uh, and go to 1A? 1A is the top of the bunch, you know. Uh, you're a draftee. Uh, that's right. the whole thing about it. I mean, he made that argument very well, and he was very, very, very clear on it. They just playing well, games. Oh, you should be like Joe Lewis. Joe Lewis went and called well, you. You called yourself a champion." Well, this is the thing. That's the game they play on your head. And all the American people fall into this nonsense. All this is getting your kids killed off and not offering you any kind of assistance. They might throw you some peanuts. But we're not yeah. working as a government. We're working as as the owners of this world are the ones that are destroying the insides and outsides of this world with everybody. They want depopulation. And they're working and getting it because we won't wake up. None of these people means anything in Congress and in Senate. They're all on the same paycheck. They're all getting paid they by the same they people that run it. Bernie Sanders yeah. said it. You got to break Sanders it down. Admitted it. He admitted it. And they told him, all the people in Congress and the Senate, they labeled him a crack crazy man. He was telling secrets oh, no. about how they make money, the backdoor deals, and all that stuff. Oh, and then the senators and congressmen go, oh, he's crazy. He's crazy. Right, right. So this is the thing, man. 
it all boils down to people waking up and realizing what the whole situation is. You know, I mean, they won't wake up. You can see this, the thievery going on. You can see how the FDA is poisoning the people on the planet, and you're allowing that to happen. Stuff that we have here that um, for the foods is, is outlawed in any other country. You can't do that over in the U.K. They're not going to have all that extra stuff that they're putting in our foods here, you know. Yeah. So this is the problem we have. So that's what we're all doing at this point. And and yeah. I will, uh, you know, I'll stick to this at all times, you know. I'll, be, I'll stand yeah. behind um, the oppressors, you know what I'm saying, because they're all, they're not human, number one. And people are going to realize that, you know. You're going to realize that, you know, that we're dealing with unhuman, wicked beings. Yeah. Go ahead. And Julie, um, how do you feel about this, Julie? <laughs> I don't know about what, what exactly. Would you ask me the, like, uh, <laughs> I, 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 the conversation? I'm stuck back on Elon Musk. But I, when, Billy, when you were talking about the robot situation, um, I think I told you about uh-huh. this once before. I not an interview, probably about not probably two months ago. It's been sometime this year. And they asked me if he cared anything in life because, you know, he's already gone into space, even though he's not an astronaut. Um, he's building this, right. um, the most expensive rocket ship ever to take regular humans there for a half million dollars. I said, what do you fear? Do you fear anything in life? Is it sickness? Is it COVID? Do you fear anything? He said, yes, I fear one thing in life, not sickness. Not man, not war. He said, I fear robots. He said, because I have actually seen in my own factory a robot resist, resist what he was told to do. And he resisted strongly, meaning yeah. he had knowledge. In the village, saying, no, I don't want to do that. He felt like he was more powerful than a human that was okay to not do what he was told to do. And I just think that's crazy. How could you continue to build this type of thing? Or, you know, because... You know, his cars are, they say those Teslas are, you know, are similar to a robot. They can drive themselves. They've been able to for five to ten years, even though they're not set up to self-pilot. They, you know, they they are, they were made to do that. So as soon as self-piloting is legal, they can drive themselves to whatever destination you give them to. He builds rockets. He's taking man, taking a man into, man is not supposed to go to in my eyes. You're meant, you're on earth, but, you know, it's whatever. We've been in space, you know, since the 50s, so. Um, but even like my opinion, I think that's crazy that you would continue to build machines that make robots or robotic type things when you say you fear a robot because you actually witnessed one say no to a human. That's crazy. That's a lot of stuff on you. What was, who are you asking for that? Well, I think yeah. this is the issue. I think we have to look at where the wickedness is. Now, WHO are the rulers of the world that actually runs everything. So who was at them meeting? Um, Obama. Um, what's his name? Uh, we just talked about. Who's that thing? Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Yeah. Richard Sanders will go last five years, you know. He, he was obviously around and well, a billionaire when Obama was around. But I, and I think he built Tesla's, but his, you know, his idea to, to fly regular common people of the world into outer space for a half million dollars a seat, that didn't happen until the Trump era. That's when he decided he was right. going to do that. So I don't think Obama right. is willing well, to involved. I think he was a key player. And I do know for a fact he is not considered one to be a lead. He was not raised a millionaire. He became a millionaire on his yeah. own um, after Tesla. I think he owned um, yeah. one of the Washington Post or something like that at one time. Um, might not even be the Washington Post because he's not from America. Um, I think he lives here now, but he's not from well, America. This is, this is my whole situation with him. My situation with him is he's playing both sides of the field, and that Wait, is I, not a good look. 
You know, if you were WHO mm. and, you know, they're, they're running the whole program there, that's what they're talking about is how they can contain us because we're getting so large of a population, we're out of control. You know what I'm saying? Right. That's what Hi. the whole issue is. Wow. So, you know, I, I just, we have to look at it for what it is. You know, so he's playing both sides of the fence. So how can we trust him? Mm. How can we really trust him? Number one, he doesn't even look human to me. He's an African yep. citizen, Elon Musk. Yep. His mom was a British yes, Canadian novel. His dad was from South Africa. She was there modeling that his dad. He was born and raised and educated in South Africa. You know, so that's yeah. why he doesn't look human. He doesn't look American. He doesn't look to me. He looks really okay. weird. Mine looks a little reptilian like that former president. Yeah, he does. He does. He does. Ugh. Yeah. He does. You'll be wondering if you're gonna see. You'll be wondering, you know, Julie. You'll be wondering if you're gonna see one of them come up with a V costume with her face fall off and they have a reptile face and eat one of those. (laughs) Eat one of those. What do you call those things? Those guinea pigs. Right. Yeah. Disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. Nasty, nasty. Yeah. Right. He just. He just doesn't. He doesn't. American. He doesn't necessarily, he just looks foreign to me. He doesn't look like he's not American, like a human, but he doesn't look American to me. And that might be because his bone structure and everything is from South Africa. But he was raised rich, but he wasn't raised in a millionaire family. But his dad was a property developer, a sailor, an electrical engineer. But he is not one of the elite. He is just the richest man in the world right now. So he might have a lot of say because of his money. No man has more money in the bank than him right now, but he's not one of the elite. Supposedly. Who? Oh, oh, you talking Ooh. about Elon Musk? Elon Musk. Yeah. Oh, Just saying he doesn't look he, he, doesn't, he doesn't. He doesn't look American to me. Bill Gates, no. Wow. He looks like Zuckerberg. He looks like Zuckerberg yeah. to me. I, right. Look, yeah, they look like a reptilian, some form of a reptile-like face. I just, yes. I don't know a lot of Thank Caucasian you. people from South Africa. I know African black people from South Africa, but I don't know a lot of Americans. So I'm thinking maybe that's what they look like there. I don't know. There's a couple of famous people who you know, have super good looks there from South Africa. Charlize Theron, she's from South Africa. There's a couple of models. Yes, They're yes. pretty, but as a whole, I don't, I've never really seen white people from South Africa. I've only intermingled with black people from South Africa. So maybe that's how they look there. I don't know. But, but that's two people. You are yeah. absolutely right. I think you said that. And you said, they don't look human. They don't. Zuckerberg doesn't either. They I don't know where he's from. I think he's amazing. They almost look like their eyebrows are painted on. Their skin's too white. They're, they look really weird. They do. They look like rep- rep- Well, you just look at the eyeballs. You get these slit-looking things if you catch them on camera. How they yeah. often say it. Because you see, you see these people... And they say that it's like them. You you put the you know you really take a good look at them, and um, the human eye is catching is not is catching some type of a costume that's put on them. And I I was looking you guys at this YouTube video. They call them reptilians, and they put the camera on them, and they put a still camera, and then you see their eyes slit, and you see their form change when they put a still. Did you see that? Right, I did. Uh, I, yeah. did I did. Yeah. I did. I did. Well, you yeah, know, I, I seen wonder. something. I seen something I mean, on, on, on uh, Trump. I'm not Trump, but on uh, Biden, where they proved that he was wearing a mask, and this was in like a group situation at oh, the White yeah, House, so-called White House. You were visiting me, and I seen it too. It was. It looked like a full, real face. But it was a mask. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. 
yeah, so there's a mask that they're using to cover him, you know. So this is yeah. the thing that we're dealing with. We're dealing with entities, and they're going to show themselves because they can no longer hide. There's so much stuff that, that they refuse to um, un- unravel or let us know about. But they're, they're, what they do is they feed you a little at a time to make you get adjusted to, th- to things. You know, so you can work, work in, in accordance with them. You know, well, Billy, all these different uh, entities. We're getting close. We're getting close to the end here. So uh, right. Is there anything else you would like to uh, that you would like to say about your own story? I mean, your own life. Um, I've asked all the questions I have. Uh, anybody else have any other questions before we get out of here? Uh, with you our know, uh, guests, we should, this week, we should our do a program on reptilians. We should later do a program on reptilians, black-eyed kids, and all of those interesting things. Yeah. Okay, we should do that. I did show Billy. I like this. We yeah. talk a little bit more. Thank you. The only thing I'd like to say is that people that are dedicated, that want to see change, um, we at uh, CRS Radio, the Knowledge Station, and with Gabriel Entertainment, uh, we are a part of change. So if you wish that you want to donate, feel free to, because we're going to make that change. We're going to make the difference in this world. We're going to help people. We're going to have programs set up for them. And that's all I have to say, because I know it's about that time. So you can reach us um, through my number, uh, 517-490-4122. I don't have my business number. I don't know it by heart. So you can reach me that or either at E-V-O-L-E-I-D-L-O-G at AOL.com, and uh, we can talk further. All right. we got to get out of here. Yes. Yes, everybody. This is the chat reel. Our host, our guest this week is our own host, our own Billy Tappan, a.k.a. Goldie Love. We are the friends. This is the chat reel. CRS Radio, the knowledge station. Back to you, Denise. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. <laughs> and, Billy, thanks so much for sharing your life story. Yep, appreciate it. Thanks, Billy. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yes, there's some more. Thanks, TJ. There's some more. And thanks, Julie. I don't know where you went, but thank you. Everybody, uh, I guess we'll talk next week, huh? Thanks. Yes, thank you both. Okay. All right. Take care. Bye-bye from the Mm -hmm. chat room. Bye. Bye.